coming. Will, thank you very much. Hallelujah. Were you excited to be in church this morning? That's good, isn't it? It's good to be able to worship God, and I'm always thrilled and excited when we can use gifts in the body. Uh, For those of you who don't know, this is Joshua Clay and his wife sitting here. Miss Danny Clay, you don't have to stand up. We can all see you. They are uh, expecting uh, a little girl, little Charlotte Grace. Is that right? Did I get it right? Good. Charlotte Grace. And uh, how much longer? What, December, January? January 1st. So really, December or January these days. Amen. Uh, They are great friends of ours. They've been... Uh, Two of our best friends the entire time we've been in St. Augustine. They came up from St. Augustine. Uh, Danny is from Florida. Joshua is from good old Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And um, uh, I knew him in Oklahoma for a little while while I was out there attending Bible school and um, all convened in St. Augustine. And they've been great friends of ours. And um, it's awesome to be able to use their gifts. And uh, we told you, you know, before the summer started that we wanted to do that and have people come up. And uh, we have people that are investing in this church that you don't see on a daily basis. We're connected to something much larger than 2314 U.S. Highway 84. It's um, exciting to be a part of this vision, ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. And we're doing that uh, right here in this church. And um, down in St. Augustine, you know, they've been there for eight years. And, uh, you know, we worked that thing from the core and have worked it to where it is today, over 300-plus meeting in a uh, six-screen theater. And um, they're always moving with vision, always expanding, but it's awesome to be able to expand around the nation. And that was the heart from, the, from day one, ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world. That was Pastor Earl's vision from day one. And so it's exciting to be a part of that. So know that there are others that are praying for us. Uh, they were praying all weekend for us for this service, and uh, we just had the happening at VSU on Thursday, and uh, that was awesome. And um, they were praying for us, and that they're investing time, they're investing uh, prayers. And Pastor Earl's always keeping updated with me on what we're doing. I'm keeping updated with him with what they're doing, and it's one vision in two locations. That's what it is. And so know that that we're being backed up in everything that we're doing. Amen. Well, we want to get right in the Word this morning, and, um, you know, we've been talking about our purpose, the original intent. Remember, the definition of the very word purpose is, let's set this down here, the very definition of the word purpose is the original intent. It means the reason for something, and purpose always answers the question, why? And we've been talking about this for a little while. We even brought up brought it up a little bit uh, in discussing prayer, because uh, you know I'm, I'm a firm believer that there are a lot of things that we're doing, but we just don't know why we do it. We go to a job, but we don't really know why. We are making money, but we don't know why we need money. Uh, we spend money, but we don't know why. We have friends, and we don't know why. We uh, do things in our lives, and we don't know why. And we found out that when you don't know why. You abuse the thing. Abuse is always inevitable when you don't know the purpose for it. Uh, If you don't know why you're taking aspirin, 
uh, you can abuse it. Are, is there a specified standard way that aspirin can benefit your life? Yes, if you follow the directions. But we abuse drugs, abuse medication. Uh, you know, it's funny how the same thing can be called a medication for one person and a drug for another. The same stuff that they're giving people in hospitals to help them with pain and help them with anxiety and help them with all kinds of things. It's being abused on the streets. And it's called medication in the hospital, but it's called a drug. But it's the same thing. But why? Because of how it's being used and who's using it and what they're using it for, and we don't know the purpose of it. Uh, pain medication can do other things, can do alternative things, but it's meant to dull pain and help alleviate pain during a process. So we have to understand why we are doing something, otherwise we will abuse it. Obviously we saw this when we were discussing prayer, and we saw that if we don't know why we're praying, we're going to abuse prayer. And when you abuse something, you don't get the right results. And I think that a lot of us abandon things because we don't get the results we want. In America, there is a very high divorce rate. And that's because people don't know why they're getting married or what marriage is for. Uh, they don't know why they married the specific individual they got married to. And so now we start having questions. Uh, and when we start doubting the entire system of marriage, is marriage even for me? Is this person for me? Uh, maybe I can break it up with this one and try it again with a different person. And we see this with many different things. We see it with our jobs, and we see it, uh, you know, with our families. There are people that quit being fathers, quit being mothers, because they don't get the results they want, because they don't know why they became a parent, why they have kids. Abuse sets in. And then we abandon the system. So we've got to understand purpose. And so last week we went through five questions that everyone's asking. I'm not going to uh, go back over all of them, but there are five questions that everybody's asking. Why am I here? Why am I on the earth? What is my potential? What is my ability? What, what can I do? Where did I come from? Where did I come from? Who's my source? Uh, where am I going? Where, what's the finish line? What's the end result supposed to look like? What's the goal supposed to be? Everybody's asking these questions. It doesn't matter if you make $2 an hour or $2 million a year. Everybody's asking the question. Um, I, I'm starting to see this so much in, in, in everything, that people are searching for purpose. Millionaires are wondering why they have so much money, and... Um, then, you know, middle class is wondering why, you know, we're having to live paycheck to paycheck. And then there's those that can't make it, and they're wondering why. Everybody's asking why, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter your status. That's why we have actors and athletes and people with fame and glory and money and everything we all think we're searching for still dying young, not fulfilling their purpose, and some of them are even killing themselves. Don't even want to be alive anymore. And we think they have everything anybody's searching for. They've got fame. Everybody knows about them. They've got the things. They've achieved something. They've got status. Yet they're still unfulfilled. Why? Because until you find purpose, you will, you will have no fulfillment. You will be frustrated. You will be discontent even with what you do have. 
and you'll be unfulfilled. You'll always feel like there's something else. So we've got to start asking why. Why did you get in the car and come to church today? Why did you spend that in gas? Why uh, have you given, you know, an hour or two to come to church and, and hear the word? We've got to start asking why. And we've got to find out really why. Well, people are searching for this in their purpose. And so, uh, you know, we want to discuss this. And um, so last week, we went over four statements. And I'm going to start with these four statements because they're very important uh, to where we're going. And so I want to throw up the first one. The first one is the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but it's really life without a purpose. I heard one person say that it's actually worse to live and not know why than to die and not know life. And this is probably one of the biggest dangers most of us and, and, and people around the world, I'm talking over 7 billion people, we're all searching this one thing. This, these messages have impact, impacted my life so much. And I've started getting back into it and started rediscovering a lot of things. And it's just amazing how much it just has changed the way I see things, the way I do things, how I spend my time, how I spend my energy, what I commit myself to. Everything changes because of that. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but it's rather life without a purpose. It's being alive but not knowing the reason why I'm alive. The second one, the second statement that we're all facing is the greatest challenge in life is just knowing what to do. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be productive in? What am I supposed to put my hand to? What am I supposed to do with my life? That's a challenge that we're all facing. The third statement that we saw was the greatest mistake in life is to be busy but not effective. See, we all don't want to just be busy doing something. We want it to matter. We want it to mean something. Because we can do a lot of things, but if it's not affecting or influencing or impacting something or someone, then we don't really feel like we've achieved something. Then we can look back at the time that we spent doing that thing and still be discontent, still be unfulfilled, still be frustrated, because we, it, none of it mattered. None of it meant anything. So we don't want to just be busy doing something. Busyness. We want to actually be effective with what we're doing. And the last statement was the greatest failure in life is being successful in the wrong assignment. Being successful in reaching an achievement, even reaching a goal. But it wasn't what we were supposed to be doing the whole time. So all of these things are, is what our lives are wrapped in. Our, our lives are wrapped in knowing our purpose, why we're here. Knowing what to do with our lives. That has to do with potential and ability. What am I capable of doing? Uh, knowing... Uh, how to be effective in doing something. What I'm doing doesn't matter, doesn't mean something. Everybody's searching this on a daily basis. And then making sure that it's what we're supposed to be doing, what we're actually called to do. And not being, uh, because, you know, 
great, the greatest failure in your life, success in the wrong assignment is really just being unsuccessful when it all comes down to it. It's success according to our standards or success according to the world's standards, but really there's someone that matters way beyond all that. And so last week we laid a foundation of purpose. And first thing we saw was that God is purposeful in everything that he does. He has a purpose, a design, a reason for everything that he has done in the earth. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, we see the whole earth being created all the way up to ourselves. And every single thing had a why to it. The sun and the moon, there was a why. The trees and the plants and grass, there was a why. Uh, Cows, uh, uh, you know, livestock, animals, there was a why. Stars in the sky, the sun, the moon. He always stated a why. Sun, light the day. Moon, light the night. There was always a why. There was an ocean, dry land. There was always a reason and a purpose. Everything that God does is purposeful. So, if everything that God created has a purpose and a reason for it being on the planet, then that means that since we were created by God, we have a purpose and a reason for being on the planet. See, purpose is the original intent. God was intentional in everything that he did. Remember, as a kid, there was always, you either did it on purpose or you did it on accident. Your parents said you did it on purpose, and you cried and said, but no, it was an accident. Accident meaning unintentional. I didn't mean to do that. I did not plan that out. But on purpose means I thought it out in my mind and I acted it out in the natural. I made it come to pass. Nobody on the planet, no matter how you got here, is an accident, period. Because then that would mean that God did something unintentional with no reason and with no plan. That's what accident means. Look at the word. The word accident means without plan or course. It means unintentional. It means, whoops, I didn't mean to do that. But that would not be a true statement because there's nothing that God does without a purpose or plan. There's a purpose for cockroaches. I don't know specifically what they are. There's a purpose for uh, mosquitoes, which tore me up yesterday. I don't know how you're doing, Will. Not good? I know Josh isn't. Brent, you all right? Whatever. (laughs) It's because he's out in it all day long and he's immune to it. They got me. We, We went out shooting and doing all kinds of stuff and these things, I don't know what you guys feed the mosquitoes down here, but they're like little pterodactyls, man. They just, like they're like Georgia hummingbirds is, I think, what somebody called them. They're massive, but there's a purpose for them. And, you know, there's a lot of animals uh, that we realize this too late, and now they're on an extinction list. We realize, wait a minute, there's a purpose for these things. We don't want to get rid of them. So we've got to... We've got to understand that no matter what God did, there was a purpose behind it. 
So here's where I want to go today. The title of my message today is The Greatest Product on Earth. The Greatest Product on Earth. The product is just simply, is simply uh, what a manufacturer produces or creates. And so I want to go there. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. Go ahead and turn there. Genesis chapter 1. Well, I'll try to get this pulled up here real quick. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1. We just looked at we need to discover our purpose. The greatest tragedy is not knowing what our purpose is. It's being alive and not even knowing why. We discovered that we need to know what to do. And so this is the greatest product that God ever, the greatest product on the face of the planet, and God was the manufacturer that put it, that produced it and put it into line. We're going to make a lot of plays into uh, manufacturing and, um, and, and products, and you can really refer it to natural means. Because here's one thing that all manufacturers have in common. All manufacturers have this in common. They know the why before they have the what. Every manufacturer knows why they are producing something before they produce the thing. The manufacturer knows the why before he creates the what. So God, see, there's actually a verse that comes before Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But really, before that, we have to substantiate that before the beginning was God. It's harder, I, I, you know, I gave up on trying to wrap my brain around it, to think that God existed before anything existed, and God will exist long after everything else goes away, that he has always been. God has no beginning. So here we have God in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, and then we have verse 1 that says, In the beginning, God created. But there's actually a step before creation. It's called an idea. And every invention, everything we have today, first existed in someone's mind. Someone said, there's got to be a better way to illuminate a room rather than can candles and, and oils. There's got to be another way to do that. Somebody said there's got to be a device that we can put food in to keep it cold and get it to last longer so we're not having to replenish things all the time. There's got to be a way to speed up the heating process. Then there's got to be a way to speed it up even faster than that. And now, we, you know, the microwaves, we're just, come on, still, that's still not quick enough, right? Heard someone joke the other day that he saw a Taco Bell Express. He's like, how much faster do you want Taco Bell to make your food? You know, we're just always in that mode of trying to find things, but those things always begin in someone's mind as an idea. And God had an idea. See, here's the thing. When a manufacturer creates something, he already knows the why before he creates it. It's already in his head. So before God created us, mankind, he already had a why. Look at Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 26. 
I'm sure you guys knew that by now because we read this verse almost every single service. doesn't matter what we're talking about. It, we can always go back to this. And Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then he answers the greatest question on the face of the planet. Why? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God immediately creates man, then states the why are we putting man here. God has something to do or something he wants to do that makes you necessary. Say that again. God has something to do in the earth. He has a job, something he's trying to accomplish because he's got purpose for everything he does. So there's, there's something he's trying to accomplish that makes you necessary. You mean God needs me? Absolutely. A manufacturer doesn't create something with no purpose and with no reason. Before he creates the thing, he already knows the reason for creating it. He already knows what it will accomplish. He already knows the task that it will take care of. He already knows that this thing will perform this action and meet this end result. And so God created earth put trees, put animals, put stars. And then he put man in the midst of it to take care of and control all of it. So that's why I'm here. I mean, he goes on, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. But notice before 27 came the idea this is all in his head at this point. Nothing is tangible out. Here it is. He didn't, he didn't create. See, this is, I, I think a lot of us have seen it this way. He created stars and said, hmm, what am I going to do next? I know, we'll create this. Trees, grass. All right, what are we going to do next? He's not up there deliberating with himself every day what he feels like putting in the earth. He's got the whole thing planned out before Genesis 1 started. Before that even showed up, God created what was in his head first. So now we get to man, and he didn't put man in the earth and then say, what are we going to do with this thing? 27 didn't come before 26. Didn't say God created man, and then he said, you know what? Let them have dominion. No, it began, it began as an idea. Then verse 20 says, So God, uh, 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's in there three times. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Then what does he do? Now I'm going to tell you why I created you. The same thing that I just thought two verses ago. Before I created you. He thought the idea. This is what it's going to do. Created that idea. Then told the creation what it's going to do. 
Notice that Adam and Eve didn't tell God what they were going to do. The product never defines and never determines its usefulness. If I create something for a specific task, I don't want it to do something against what I created it to do. Everybody in this room probably has a car, except for maybe Brantley, but he's not far along. And, and Aaron. I don't know that Aaron's got a car yet. <laughs> One day you will. You know the purpose for that vehicle. You know what you want it to do. Well, guess what? When it begins to act contrary to the design that you've created, or not created it, but that you want it to do, what do you do? You get it fixed. If it doesn't crank up in the morning, well, I guess it just doesn't decide it wants to work today. That's all right. We'll figure out another way. No, you're thinking, this thing's designed to get me from point A to point B. It's acting inappropriately along with that purpose of getting me from point A. It can't even fulfill its assignment. So now we get it fixed or get a new one. But the car doesn't have the right to just tell me, what do I do? I try to get it back into alignment, get it back into operating according to what it's supposed to do, what it's designed to do. So the product should never define, the product should never define its own usefulness. It should never determine its own value. We've done that. We've done that. We've determined outside of God's alignment and God's will and what God designed us to do, we've defined our own usefulness, and we've even taken another step further. We've allowed others to define that. We've allowed our parents to tell us what we're good at doing, what we're not good at. We're, we've allowed teachers to shape that and say and, and define our usefulness when there's only one person. Because you'll remember a statement I made last week the purpose of something is only in the mind of the creator. It's only in the mind of the manufacturer. The reason why a Mercedes does and has what it does or has is in the mind of the one that created Mercedes. If you own a Mercedes, do not go to Toyota and try to get them to fix your Mercedes. They're not the manufacturer of the product. They're not the creator. So as a product of an idea... We need, to, we need to figure out why we're here, what our purpose is, what our design is, but we've got to go to the right source. We've got to go beyond ourselves, and we can't determine that ourselves, and we can't just listen to what other people have to say. I'm telling you right now, I can't tell you that. If you're here because, well, I, just, you know, I need a pastor to help me, you know, tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life, I can't do that. I can do that by God, but ultimately, he's got to reveal that to you. He's got to reveal that purpose to you. And if I do say anything, it better be in line with the manufacturer. See, I don't have to go to the CEO of Mercedes to find out they've got mechanics and they've got uh, dealerships and they've got people that are working that can tell me, but they're only speaking in alignment with 
Mercedes. They're not making it up. So I have a responsibility now that if I help guide you and lead you in your responsibility, I had better be speaking in line with the one who created you, the one who put you here to begin with. Otherwise, I can be just as misleading. I remember not too long ago I saw someone uh, put on Facebook that they had potentially uh, were able to get a job in another city. And they had some friends of theirs that were posting on there, commenting on there, saying, oh, you should take it. Yeah. Well, what if God don't want you there? What if he wants you to stay right where you're at, making less money? See, we jump at things and we say, well, it's more money. God must want me to have it. Not necessarily. Joseph was in all kinds of sorry positions that took him to greatness. So we've got we've to make sure that we're hearing from God. Ultimately, I believe they did, and they're in the same place. Those things can be appealing. Those things can try to draw you. Notice Jesus never let anybody draw him off his purpose. We'll talk about that next week, guarding your assignment. And Jesus was the greatest at it. He didn't even let his family or his closest friends pull him away from his purpose. He turned to one of his best friends, one of his closest confidants in ministry, and called him Satan because he tried to steer him away from going to the cross. That's pretty bold. Could you look at a friend of yours that you're real close with, and if they say something that you know is not in line with God's will for your life, would you be able to say that? I mean, it's, we're talking... Jesus was so glued to his purpose and his assignment for his life that when, his, when he went back home and his family and his mother and his father and his brothers and sisters and people he grew up with started talking against his purpose and against his assignment, he still wasn't moved. That's how glued in on his purpose he was, and that's the way we're supposed to be. He didn't let others define his purpose. Let's look at some verses that we looked at Last week, Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. It's a little sobering to know that even though I may have all kinds of plans for my life, there's a purpose that's going to trumpet every time. You know, that's interesting because it's a sobering thought to think that we can have these plans and although we're necessary for God's plan, if we don't get it right, he's still going to get his plan accomplished. So you'll notice that God never moved on based upon individuals. He moved based upon generations. When, when Moses brought the Israelites out of Egypt and into the wilderness, he said, I'm getting my people into the promised land, period. Whether you do it or not. So what did he do? He, the ones that came out, died in the wilderness. They did not accomplish the plan. Did that foil God's plan of getting them into the promised land? No. Because guess who did it? Their children. God will get his plan and purpose accomplished because it lasts 
forever. Here's the other cool thing about that. Is that God's plan in the beginning of the book is still his plan in the end of the book. Genesis 1.26 is still the plan all the way through. He never came off the plan. And I never saw this until about three years ago. But he was always trying to start over with that plan. See, we think that God changed the plan because man failed. And so God changed it and said, all right, since this whole earth thing and man living on earth thing isn't working out, uh, let's just get them all to heaven. But you can't find that in the Bible. Jesus didn't even preach that. Look at what Jesus preached. Jesus didn't preach about being born again. He didn't preach about going to the cross. I'm talking preach to multitudes of people and proclaim this as why he came. He never said that. In fact, in, in Luke, I think it's in uh, maybe Luke chapter 4. It might be Mark. But he makes a statement and he says, For this reason I came. Reason. Purpose. Intention. For this intention. For this purpose. For this reason I came. Why? To preach the kingdom of God. Everywhere he went, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. He preached the kingdom of God coming from heaven to earth. Show me anywhere in the Bible where Adam and Eve all of a sudden started looking for heaven. If Adam and Eve had never even eaten the fruit, where would they be today? God's purpose in the beginning of the book is the same at the end of the book. And everything in the middle is driving that purpose and getting it to come to pass. That's why he went to Noah and said, look, I'm going to wipe everybody off the face of the planet. I need you to build an ark because a, a flood's coming, but I'm going to start over with you. Start over. Same thing with Moses. Get out of the way. I'm going to blow them all up, wipe them all out, and I'm going to start over with you. In the earth. It was always his plan, okay? His plan, his purpose will stand forever. Uh, there's a couple other versions that read it this way. Uh, NIV says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's his purpose that prevails. So then our goal, it seems, should be to get our plans to line up with his purpose. I remember uh, Josh Clay was back here. Uh, in March, a minister for me, and he ministered uh, a sermon called Your Purpose Doesn't Matter. And that sounds weird. It says, what do you mean it doesn't matter? Of course it matters. It's his purpose for you that matters. Your plans, when it all comes down to it, do not trump God's plan. Period. So we have to find a way to get our lives to line up with the purpose he has for us. God's plan at the beginning is still the same plan at the end of the book. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us 
in him before the foundation of the world. Before Genesis 1 took place, you were already chosen and founded in the earth with a plan and a purpose. That's why he was able to look at Jeremiah and say, look, man, before you were in your mother's womb, I'd already created you. That's why he could tell him later on in 29 verse 11, Jeremiah 29 11, look, I have good plans for you. Look, you want to be thankful that God had a plan before he put something into action. You want to be thankful that he had this thing thought out and said, you know what? Before I put man there, let me figure out what I'm going to do with him. It would be sad to have a God that accidentally put us in the earth. And science is still trying to figure this out when it's already been laid out in the Bible. Trying to figure out where we came from. Trying to answer the question. Trying to figure out why we're here. And so we've got to resolve that God put us here, planned for us to be here. It says, uh, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Remember that word predestined, that's two words put together. Pre meaning before, and destined comes from destiny, which means the end. Which means God knew the end at the beginning. That's awesome. God knew the beginning, of the end of something before he even began it. If he was writing a book, he started at the end, the last chapter, and then worked his way backwards and make sure that every chapter up until then lined up with what the last chapter says. Spoiler alert. <laughs> He's already given us the ending. And before he began us, he already knew that purpose. He already knew that plan. Predestined. Predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will, he has a will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in love. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 was another verse we looked at last week. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared. Pre meaning before. Prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has already laid this thing out and now he's wondering are, are my people the ones that I placed on the earth to accomplish a task that I've already set for them, will they walk that out for their lives? Will they do that? Because I don't know about you, but I don't like it when something I own goes against the purpose. We all hate it when computers and equipment and vehicles and... How many of you hate it when your alarm clock doesn't fulfill its purpose? How many of you hate it when you're talking on the phone and all of a sudden it quits fulfilling its purpose? How many of you hate that? I hate it. So we got a, a purpose that we need to fulfill. Okay? Now, I'm going to use a little analogies here to really try to hit this home with products. Products and manufacturers and, and what a manufacturer does with a product. First thing I want to look at is that uh, every product carries the image of the manufacturer. 
Every product has the image. We call it branding. I was watching a documentary on Target the other day, and they said that Target, uh, their logo, they've done such a good job with brand imaging that their logo is recognized by 97% of Americans. The bullseye. And I, I love that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm into that kind of thing and logos and, and that, all that stuff. And um, I used to have a, a thing on my phone. It was like a logo quiz or something. It would just pop a logo up there. No words, no nothing. You try to identify the, the product. We, all, we can all picture right now. Pepsi, you can think of it right now. Red, white, and blue. Coca-Cola. Nike. Adidas. I mean, we can all think of these right now because it has been branded. It has been, the, the image has been branded in your brain and associated with that. Right now, everything in here that is some type of product has a logo on it. These speakers, this guitar, your clothes, everybody right now, shirts, dresses, pants that you're wearing, the shoes that you're wearing, they all have the logo. They all have the image on it. These drums, my watch, the image has been branded in there. Why? One, they want you to know who the source is. And they don't want anybody else to get credit for that product because, you know, you can go to Payless Shoes and you can get some stuff that almost looks, I mean, even the logos. They almost try to copy the logos sometimes. But, it doesn't have their specific logo. And people are serious about their logos, man. I mean, you'll get sued. <laughs> you'll, get your, you'll get sued for putting the logos in the wrong place or putting someone's name on something that isn't really their name. They'll mess you up over that. Those manufacturers are serious about that branding and that imaging. One, they don't want anybody else to get credit. Two, if something goes wrong with it, they want you to know who to go to to get it fixed. They want you to know uh, where you can get more of it. They want you to know who the source is. Well, Genesis chapter 1 says that we were made in the image of God. And he has put his image on us. In fact, Paul uh, took this branding so seriously that he said in him or in Christ multiple times in his writings. In Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Galatians, Corinthians, he's always talking about in him. I am identified in him. My identity is in Christ. That is who I am a part of. That is who I belong to. And so manufacturers are serious about their branding and their imaging. You know, it should be obvious to people who we belong to. It should be obvious. It should be that evident. To brand means to label or to mark. Um, the brand always points to the manufacturer. If you wear Nike shoes, Nike's getting the credit. Oh, man, those are awesome shoes. Yeah, they're Nikes. Nike is awesome. Nike is a cool company. And if you see something that you don't like and it's got their logo on it, all of a sudden, the company becomes identified with the product. 
I want God to be identified with me, but I don't want people to say, wow, he's a lousy person, so God must be a lousy person. I want to be recognized with his brand and his image on me that God must be great because look at what he's doing with that person. The product best reflects the manufacturer when it is used for its intended purpose. Remember, it's carrying a logo. My wife is one of these Pinterest people. She's always on Pinterest. and uh, Pinterest is all about finding alternative uses for something. Uh, I, that's the one thing I've gained from it. And one day I opened up my, um, my cabinets to get a drink, and there's all a whole roll, whole row of baby food jars. Camden's old. I'm like, are you serious? What is this for? And she said, oh, you can make, you know, tabletop centerpieces and put flowers in there and, you know, all this weird, you know, froofy stuff. And but that's not what it was intended for, yet we're finding a different. But the product is best represented. The brand, the manufacturer is best represented when you use the product. Watch a commercial. You won't find a broom commercial or like a Swiffer commercial and they're using it to get something down off the top shelf. Oh, it's also good for sweeping, but, you know, no, what are they using it for? To sweep, to clean. My mom used to watch those HSN and uh, QVC, all those home shopping shows all the time. You know what they spend an hour talking about with the one product? What it does, not alternative uses. Why? Because they want to represent the product and bring the most out of it. If it's jewelry, they're going to show what the jewelry does. If it's clothes, they're going to show what they, and they're going to talk about it, and they'll talk about stuff, one thing, for an hour long. And they're not talking about alternative uses. They're not talking about, you know, can I use a shoe to kill a bug? Yes, but I doubt I'm ever going to watch a Nike commercial where they're just swatting bugs all the time. It's saying, look at this awesome cockroach smasher. No, they're going to be showing that it makes you jump higher and run faster and look cooler. That's the purpose of the shoe. Nike would not be very well represented if it was just a big flycatcher. Okay? They get the best representation out of the product being used for its intended purpose. Every product comes with a manual. That's probably the one thing, especially for us guys, that we just, oh, look, a big book. I don't know why they put that in here, for your reading pleasure, for your reading enjoyment. In case, you know, after you build your chair, you want to sit down and read something. No, that's in there at the beginning. And I know, you know, back in the day, devices were way more difficult. I mean, my iPad, my iPhone, they got one button. Two. Two buttons on the whole thing. And then there's a switch. Back in the day, I mean, you know, we had VCRs, and there I only knew what like four buttons did. Play, stop, rewind, and fast forward. There was like a uh, like like a trimming button or something that would keep the stuff from tracking. See, I don't even never never knew what that was for until you need it. 
all kinds of buttons on it, you know, low, high, different kinds of speeds and stuff. Why? Because I didn't read the manual. I didn't sit down and say, hey, what does that do? If you want to get the most out of a product, there's a manual that comes along with it. What does it do? It shows you what it looks like. I've got a manual that shows me what I look like. Got a manual that tells me what everything does. You, you ever seen those diagrams where it shows the picture and then it's got the lines and tells you what the buttons do? Well, I've got a spirit, soul, and body, and this thing tells me what all of it does, how it works. A manual has warnings. If it's electrical, it's probably got something in there about don't let it get wet, heat, the cold, what kind of atmosphere to put it around. It'll tell you how much the thing can hold, how much weight it could hold. It's got warnings. My Bible has warnings. It's got guarantees. It's got guarantees. If, if it breaks, if you're using it for the right reasons, we'll replace it for free. We'll send you a new part. Here's a phone number. Here's a website. Here's somebody you can call if it's not working properly. But you know what? You can't call those people if you're not using it right. You know, there's even a section in there called troubleshooting. Why? Because they want to make sure you're using it right before you give them a call. Yet we go to God, and when he says, when we go to God and we say, God, I just, you know, my finances are just, haven't been what I need them to be. Well, you need to give. Me. Now, you need to do something about this. Yeah, you know what? If, if I'm soaking this thing in water, and then I call up Steve Jobs, if I call up Apple and say, I don't know what's going on with my phone. The screen's not working. I can't hear nothing. It's not accepting any phone calls. Well, you need to quit dipping it in water. Are you? No, you need to come fix this thing right now. This thing's broken. It's supposed to do this, this, and this. What? You want to make sure you're using it properly. That's what the troubleshooting is. It's all that stuff in there. I remember we had a machine back here that wasn't working right. And so I pulled out the manual, and there's all kinds of trouble. Make sure it's plugged in. I mean, they give you the elementary basic. I, I feel sorry for the person that goes, oh, that was it. Just need to plug it in. I don't know what I was doing. No power supply. Plug it in. Make sure you got it on this setting. Make sure these buttons are doing their, I mean, the whole thing. Make sure you're using these type of CDs with it. What are we doing? We're troubleshooting. There's troubleshooting in the Word of God. Are you doing this? Remember, God told Joshua, here's how you get success. You meditate on my Word day and night. Obey. Follow everything that, that is in it. Then you will have success. So if Joshua wasn't being successful, which that happened, and there was one time, you know, he's got sin in the camp. They went to this little town. And they got whooped. And so Joshua comes back and is rolling on the ground. I mean, just flailing like a little kid, just throwing a fit, ripping his clothes off and throwing dust in his hair. He's saying, God, what's going on? What, what, why is this happening? And what does God say? Somebody in your camp. What? Troubleshooting. 
there's something you're doing. If we get that right, then we can fix this thing. Then we correct it. There's a lot of times where I've gone to the troubleshooting part and I didn't even have to call anybody. There's times in my life where I have gone in God's Word and looked at the troubleshooting for my life and found out, oh, wait, I don't have that in alignment. And I didn't even have to pray about it. I got that thing in alignment, and we're good. Things start happening. Amen? And the last thing is that only the manufacturer has genuine parts. You can't take, I cannot take my Nissan truck to Toyota and get them to fix it. I got to go to the manufacturer. The logo is on there telling me who made the truck. And so now I know who to go to when something goes down. If I want to get a genuine part, but, you know, I'm one of those guys, I like to, uh, you know, uh, do things to my vehicles and personalize them and all that stuff. And I did something to my truck. I changed the exhaust out several years ago, and they, they told me, if you do this, you will void the manufacturer's warranty. If you take this off, if you put this part on, if you go without this thing, uh, then when you go back to the manufacturer, not going to be able to do anything about it. I cannot go to Nissan right now and get them to look at my exhaust if something's going wrong. Because I changed it out. I'm not using a Nissan part anymore. We've got to make sure that with our purpose, that we're not voiding the warranty. Are we allowing things in that will void the warranty? Are we doing things with it? That will void the warranty. I remember uh, my wife's phone, something went wrong with it. She's got an iPhone. And I had to open it up and look in it, and I had to pull the battery out. Well, on iPhones, you pull the battery out, and Apple will never look at it, never touch it again for the rest of its life. It's got this little thing on there, and when you pull that tab, which you have to pull, it says, uh, you know, it's a little, it's basically a seal. And when you break that seal, they know you've been in it. And it voids the warranty on it. So we've got to make sure that we're not taking things out. We're not taking the word out and we're doing the things that are necessary for our purpose. So as a product, we can fulfill the assignment, the task, the goal that has been assigned to our lives. We've got to be careful of what we're allowing in us. You know, a lot of these products, they have... Uh, warnings on, uh, you know, don't let it sit in heat. You know, I've known people, in fact, the iPhone will do it. If it gets extremely hot, it'll give you this little temperature thing on your screen. I've seen it before. It's a warning. You're in extreme heat. Sometimes we just need to be careful what we're allowing to influence us because that's hindering our purpose. It's hindering our assignment. We've got to check our atmosphere. We've got to check our influences. We've got to be careful of what we're surrounding ourselves with. We've got to be careful what we're listening to. We've got to be careful of what we're seeing. We've got to be careful of what, we're, what kind of effects people are having on our lives. We've got to check all this. Because that can hinder our purpose. That can hinder our assignment. 
why we were made. God was purposeful in creating us, but are we purposeful in living out why he created us? And so we have to check these things. We are the greatest product on earth. We are the greatest thing that's ever been produced. And we're in control over all of it. But we've got to realign ourselves with our purpose. We've got to begin to discover, why am I here? Begin to discover, why am I working a job? Remember I told you last week, everything in my life is assignment driven now. I didn't just happen to have a son. My assignment is now to be a father. I didn't just happen to move to Valdosta and pastor a church. That is my assignment. When I worked outside the church, I didn't dread going to work and, and hate it and hate my coworkers and I hate this place and I can't wait till I get out of here. I'm going to look for another job. No, it was my assignment. I was there to change those people. I was there to be an influence on those customers that I saw every day. I was there to be an influence on my employees that were under me and my employers that were over me. I was there to be uh, an assignment and an influence on vendors that came in that I saw on a regular basis. And so I prayed with people. I walked in love with people. I didn't say what I wanted to say. I didn't do what I wanted to do. And I didn't leave those jobs when I wanted to leave those jobs. I only left when the assignment changed and said, all right, now we're going here. Assignment, purpose, reason. There's too many people that are living their lives without a reason, no reason. And so they'll get up tomorrow morning. They'll wake up way too early and they'll get in a car that they don't like, get stuck in traffic that they hate, go to a job that they hate make way less money than they think they deserve making, do that all day long, come home to a family that they're just not happy with or they feel they don't get to spend enough time with, and then they do it all over again on Tuesday, and that's the rest of their life until they retire. And that's all we have to look forward to. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm here to tell you throughout this series, throughout the next several weeks, that you were designed, created for way more than that. There's a larger purpose. And we're going to find it out. We're going to discover that. Everybody's asking these questions. And we want to answer them. Amen. Josh, if you'll come up. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is life, Father.